there are only four kinds of people in the world, those who have been caregivers, those who are currently caregivers, those who will be caregivers, and those who will need caregivers. And I, that quote just rings true to me so much right now in this COVID era that we're living in. Before the COVID-19 crisis, there were 44 million caregivers nationwide. When COVID-19 took over, we all became full-time caregivers overnight. Caregivers juggle work, household responsibilities, and caring for kids, seniors, friends, and sometimes just those in need of extra help. What technology investments should the healthcare industry focus on in the wake of COVID-19? How has advanced care planning been impacted by this crisis? And what can we learn moving forward? Welcome to The Next Big Thing in Health, a podcast from America's Health Insurance Plans. I'm your co-host, Matt Isles. And I'm Laura Evans. This episode of The Next Big Thing in Health is brought to you by Teladoc Health, partnering with health insurance providers to transform how members access health care. Teladoc Health works with leading health insurance providers, hospitals and health systems, and employers to ensure reliable access to high-quality virtual health care anytime and from anywhere. Visit teladochealth.com backslash AHIP to learn more. Teladoc Health is proud to serve not only our health insurance and employer members around the world, but also our provider partners, who are bringing our technology and physician capacity to bear at a time when the healthcare system is experiencing unprecedented disruption. Visit teledochealth.com backslash AHIP and download our brochure to learn how we partner with health insurance providers to transform healthcare together. Today, we're speaking with Peggy McGuire, president of the Cambia Health Foundation and senior vice president of corporate social responsibility and palliative care solutions at Cambia Health Solutions. Peggy, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. So from your perspective, how has the COVID-19 crisis impacted palliative care and caregiving? That's a great question, and I think it's been um, incredible. I think Pre-COVID, we estimated that there were 44 million caregivers in the U.S., and I think that was a pretty conservative um, estimate. But as the um, pandemic began um, in this country and really took hold, the role of caregivers and the number of caregivers has exploded. Um, Think about, you know, being a caregiver uh, to a spouse, to an elderly neighbor. Um, We think about parents who are now juggling um, at-home schooling with their jobs. They're in a different role as caregivers. Um, You know, research that we've done has shown us that caregivers are becoming increasingly younger. Uh, They're more digitally savvy. And they're, they're really looking for tools to help them manage caregiving responsibilities. We've seen growth of telehealth during COVID. And I think that there are a lot of applications of telehealth that could be helpful to caregivers. Um, many of us are, and, care, and caregivers 
are juggling um, new responsibilities. Um, I think it was estimated that 76% of caregivers would say they put their lives on hold to support a loved one. That's pre-COVID. And I just, I don't know what the number is now, but I'm, I'm sure it has increased. Um, last month, we did a survey of, about the impact that COVID had had on their caregiving relationships. And we, we asked them how caregiving had changed um, during COVID. And, you know, people are, who are distant from their loved ones have really um, experienced um, some strain. And they're having a, a harder time um, caring for their family members. Um, it's, it's, very, it's been a very challenging time, I think, for all of us, but um, especially on caregivers. And Peggy, you know, you're talking about the explosion of the number of caregivers. Is it possible to even quantify that? And what exactly do you mean by with the term caregiving? I think people, a lot of people say, well, I'm mom or I'm spouse or I'm, you know, uh, you know, the son or daughter and don't really even consider or define themselves as a quote unquote caregiver. They just do. And, and it's important to really understand what a caregiver even is, because once you define that, I think it's, it's important to, to realize what that role actually means and the importance of taking care of yourself as a caregiver. So how do you define that? And is it possible to quantify the number of caregivers in this country? Um, okay, I'll start with the definition. And I'd like to share with you a, a quote that I love from Rosalind Carter. Um, and this was way pre-COVID, but she said, there are only four kinds of people in the world, those who have been caregivers, those who are currently caregivers, those who will be caregivers, and those who will need caregivers. And I, that quote just rings true to me so much right now in this COVID era that we're living in because um, all of us are, can find ourselves in one of these categories, in one of those four kinds of people. And I think there's just been an exponential growth in the number of caregivers. You know, we used to traditionally think about caregivers as maybe a, um, the oldest daughter in a family caring for her aging parents. You know, that's, the, that's kind of the stereotypical view. Um, we, we now see um, millennials as caregivers. We see care is being provided to children and adults of every age um, and to loved ones with a range of chronic um, or serious health conditions, including behavioral health issues. So really, um, anyone who is providing care for another, uh, a loved one, I would say falls into that category of a caregiver. And with COVID, I think we can all think of ourselves as caregivers in one way or another. Um, it, you know, technically on average in the U.S., the average age of a caregiver is 42, which is younger, I think, than previously thought. It's, that's the average age. So you, you know there are people at um, much younger age ranges and older. 
and and demographically, I think you'd be surprised that the the number of people who are serving in caregiving roles is not um, predominantly female. It's about equally split between men and women. And I think many people, um, when they're caring for someone that they love, they find it harder to take care of themselves. One in five caregivers uh, reports that they often neglect their own physical health um, when they're caring for others. 76% of caregivers say no one has taught them or prepared them to perform the tax, tasks of caregiving. And the, the relationships and the responsibilities are um, very strained in these, in these times. It's, it's just a real challenge. I think you know, the, the need for, for respite care now for caregivers with COVID-19 is probably greater than ever as we're trying to you know, manage our way you know, through these really, really difficult times. One segment that we know that's been hit particularly hard has been uh, nursing homes uh, due to COVID-19. And, and we've heard all of the you know, really difficult, terrible stories about what's happened in, in nursing homes and, and the isolation that we're, we're seeing for people who are in nursing homes is, you know, that seems to be a place that we really want to limit access. But what do you think that we've learned about changes should we anticipate longer term? That's an excellent question. And I think um, it will take us some time to unpack and, and really learn everything we need to learn. But, you know, I think there's clear safety considerations um, for the people living in nursing homes and for the staff. So we've learned a lot about the importance of PPE and having access to PPE. Um, we need to have confidence in the um, protocols that are in place at um, nursing homes in order to um, allow people to have visitors um, and for people to feel safe when their loved ones are there. I think um, we need to really look at the allocation of PPE across states and make sure that it's fair and equitable. And I think we, we have to look at the workforce issues and how do we um, support the work Force that is caring for people that are living in nursing homes? How do we make sure that they have the education and training that they need, um, that they're making living wages? And they, um, you know, I would love to see every nursing home incorporate a basic level of primary palliative care. As the global leader in virtual care, Teladoc Health offers the only comprehensive solution that spans telehealth, behavioral health, and complex and chronic care at scale. Teladoc Health's flexible technology platform expands physician capacity and enables health insurance providers to overcome one of their biggest challenges, scaling to address the broad spectrum of healthcare needs across commercial, Medicare, and Medicaid populations. Visit teledochealth.com backslash AHIP 
and download our brochure to find out how virtual care is helping health insurance providers overcome their biggest challenges. Let's turn to the corporate social responsibility aspect of your role, Peggy. Could you talk a little bit about how Cambia Health is addressing health disparities among your communities? Yeah, um, thanks for that question. I think before COVID, we, we have um, in our foundation, we have a program area that's called Healthy People, Healthy Communities. And one of our core beliefs in that program area is that health disparities are not inevitable and that we won't truly transform the healthcare system until um, everyone has what they need to um, achieve optimal health. I think what COVID has done, and, and pre-COVID, we had invested about $15 million in community partners that were working to address health disparities. COVID has absolutely laid bare the inequities that exist in our healthcare system. Um, you know, people of color are at higher risk of developing the disease, developing complications from the disease. And, you know, we're seeing study after study showing the disproportionate impact that the coronavirus is having um, in communities of color. And I think um, this is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for us to lean in and look at the systemic challenges um, and really focus on why these disparities exist and how we might come together to collaborate to solve them. But we must um, focus on this and really to create um, a healthcare system that's person focused and economically sustainable, we have to make sure that people have access to the healthcare services they need. So I guess where we, uh, where, as I think about how we move forward, it's with compassion, it's with humility and and a deep commitment to listening and learning to figure out how we move forward uh, with systemic change and long-term change. I, I think you really hit on such an important point there with respect to how do we listen and learn and then act, um, right? Because I think the, you know, the impulse is, all right, let's, let's do something, let's change, let's solve this. And of course we need to solve the problem, but how can we make sure that we're really listening to the concerns and issues and injustices and discrimination that people have faced over the course of decades and centuries to really understand how it is that we can uh, take action and really make a difference and, and make sure that it's sustainable. Are there a couple of ways that, that Cambia Health Solutions has been focusing on that sustainability piece? Yeah, one of our initiatives is we've been partnering with community health centers in our regions um, in the Pacific Northwest to really look at uh, the data um, that's underlying some of these disparities and then looking at where the gaps are um, so that we can um, work with them to address the gaps. So I'd say 
that investment in community health centers is one area I'd point to that I think will have lasting sustainable change. Another investment area is in community health workers. So, um, you know, these are philanthropic investments I'm talking about here, but investing in um, community health workers to um, provide really an important bridge and be an important part of that um, helps people access the services they need and trust in those services. I, I think as we go forward, we know it's going to be challenging. We know we will be challenged. Uh, our thinking will be challenged. We hope we will challenge ourselves because I think to find real solutions, we need to we need to roll our sleeves up and listen and be be willing to be challenged uh, in our thinking. So we ask every guest this question because the name of our podcast is The Next Big Thing in Health. So I'm wondering what you think might be the next big thing in healthcare right now or in caregiving. Well, I think we can't um, underestimate the importance of um, advanced care planning. So, you know, we've been doing some research and partnering with a coalition in Massachusetts about uh, people's willingness or unwillingness to engage in advanced care planning and, and setting their uh, goals of care. And I think um, we need to figure out why people aren't doing it and how to make that advanced care planning process uh, meaningful for them. I think that's incredibly important right now. Um, as you know, specifically with regard to um, COVID-19, I think we need, need to think about, we need to think about and deal with um, disparities. And I, that probably has several components to it. There's a prevention component, you know, how do we help people um, who are at higher risk for developing the coronavirus um, avoid uh, the chronic conditions that put them at additional risk, like high blood pressure or diabetes. We need to specifically target testing in um, communities of color and make sure that uh, people have access to care. And, um, you know, in rural communities, that would, where you know, I mentioned earlier, the explosion of telehealth, we need to make sure that there's not a technology divide in the ability for people to access telehealth. And then um, we need to include people of color in any testing and research studies that we have so that as we're uh, looking to develop a vaccine, we know we're, it's inclusive of everyone. So I guess that, that's a lot <laughs> for the next big thing, but I do, I think we have a lot to do. And I um, personally am leaning in with a sense of hope and a sense of optimism that we will be able to support people with serious illness and their caregivers in um, meaningful ways.
uh, as we go forward. Thank you, Peg, for all that you're doing and all that Cambia Health Solutions is doing. I know it has been a long time commitment and passion um, all, all the way up to the top of the organization with with your CEO, Mark Gans, and it's obvious that it has become you know part of the culture there at Cambia. And so thank you for all that you're doing to really advance this really, this truly important uh, topic. Virtual care is helping more people access high quality care for a broad range of conditions while avoiding the doctor's office, urgent care, and the emergency room. Visit teledochealth.com backslash AHIP to learn more. Recognizing the critical role that virtual care plays in the delivery system, Teladoc Health helps health insurance providers care for members, including their highest risk populations, by offering high quality virtual solutions as the front door to care. Visit teledochealth.com backslash AHIP to download our brochure and learn how virtual care is becoming the preferred entry point into healthcare. Thanks so much for tuning into the final episode of season two of The Next Big Thing in Health. If this is your first time listening, all episodes of The Next Big Thing in Health are available on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. And keep an ear out for season three, that's coming soon.